0: You are listening to ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to The Revealing Retina, presented by the American Retina Foundation, the charitable arm of the ASRS, the American Society of Retina Specialists. I'm your host, Dr. Roy Levitt, chairman of the American Retina Foundation, and joining me today is Dr. David Williams. David is a vitriol retinal surgeon in Minneapolis, he got his M.D. for Medical University of Ohio. He did his ophthalmology residency in vitriol retinal research and clinical fellowship at the Medical College of Wisconsin. He also has a master's degree in chemical engineering and has an M.B.A. for the past eight years. He has authored many articles and is currently vice president and program chairman of the ASRS, the American Society of Retina Specialists. Today. We're going to talk about the pharmacologic treatment of wet macular degeneration. Macular degeneration has two forms dry and wet, and 10% of the dry form progresses to the wet form. David, could you discuss a bit why it's called wet macular degeneration?
1: Sure, Dr. Levitt. As you indicated, macular degeneration is divided into two general categories. The first is dry, which essentially is a condition of aging changes affecting the retina. And although the dry macular degeneration can sometimes cause difficulty with vision and cause vision loss, it's relatively uncommon as a cause of severe vision loss. Wet macular degeneration is the category of this disease, in which an individual begins to develop the growth of abnormal blood vessels in the space underneath the retina and this is a pathologic process that leads to progressive damage in the retina in particular in the area of the retina called the macula which is where we get our straight central vision from our reading vision And these abnormal blood vessels that begin to develop grow progressively. They leak or exude fluid and sometimes blood. And they, if left untreated, will lead to a fibrotic scar that envelops the central portion of the retina in the macula area of the retina, leading to very severe loss of central visual function.
0: Do we know what stimulates these vessels to grow?
1: There's a lot that is not known about the development of wet macular degeneration at this point. It's certainly felt to be a complex, multifactorial process. That is very poorly understood at this point. However, over the last 35 or 38 years, much insight has been gained into some of the factors that might lead to pathological neovascularization, not only in the eye, but elsewhere in the human body as well. And there are chemical factors that have been identified that seem to play an integral role in the development of this neovascularization within the eye.
0: What are these chemical factors, Dave?
1: The primary one that is of great interest and focus today, both in research and the development of therapeutic options for treating this disease, is called vascular endothelial growth factor. Now, this is a substance that was hypothesized to exist all the way back in 1970 by Dr. Judah Folkman, who was studying the development of cancer and the growth of tumors, and he hypothesized that there was a substance that must exist to stimulate the growth of abnormal blood vessels that allowed tumors to grow. Now, the substance vascular endothelial growth factor was actually isolated in about 1990 by Dr. Napoleon Ferrara at Genentech. And vascular endothelial growth factor has been shown to be upregulated or are present in excess amounts in pathological states that include the presence of abnormal blood vessels. It's been shown experimentally to stimulate the growth of abnormal blood vessels, for example, in the cornea. And in the 1990s, this chemical substance that's naturally present in the body became the focus of research to try to find ways to suppress the growth of pathological neovascularization within the eye.
0: There are a lot of factors in the cascade that causes VEGF to form. And I know the uh, pharmacology attacks this cascade in various areas. Could you elaborate on that?
1: Well, VEGF is certainly probably just one factor in a complex process in the development of both normal and pathological blood vessels. There are different isoforms of the VEGF molecule that are hypothesized to play different roles in various types of neovascularization. In particular, there's a VEGF-164, I believe it is, that was felt to be one of the primary players in the development of pathological neovascularization in wet macular degeneration.
0: One of the early drugs that were used in ophthalmology was a drug called Macugen. How did that play out and where is that in the current treatment modality?
1: Well, Macugen was actually the very first pharmacological treatment for wet macular degeneration. Macugen was a aptamer called pegaptanib that was developed as a selective VEGF inhibitor, and specifically to inhibit the isoform of VEGF that was thought experimentally to be the primary stimulant of pathological neovascularization in wet macular degeneration. And macogen went through randomized prospective clinical trials, and was shown to be effective compared to placebo in decreasing the severity of vision loss in individuals with wet macular degeneration. Macugen was approved by the FDA for treatment of wet macular degeneration in, let's see, would have been right at the end of 2006, I believe, or early 2007. The problem with Macugen is that it didn't really reach the point of completely preventing vision loss. Macugen was shown in clinical trials to, to decrease the severity of vision loss, although on average people treated with this drug in their clinical trials continued to lose vision to some degree during their period of treatment. They just lost less vision than the natural course of the disease would have otherwise led to.
0: Where are we now? What is being used most commonly now?
1: Well, most commonly, the therapy being used is uh, different anti-VEGF agents today. The one that's primarily being used and is approved by the FDA for treatment of wet macular degeneration is called Lucentis, which is the brand name, or Ranibizumab, which is the generic name of the drug. Lucentis was developed by the Genentech Corporation using some of the scientific data developed by Napoleon Ferrara and others at Genentech in the 1990s. Lucentis is a non-selective VEGF inhibitor. That is, it inhibits all isoforms of the VEGF molecule. And the clinical trials for Lucentis showed remarkable efficacy. In fact, Lucentis was the very first therapy for wet macular degeneration that was able to stop progressive vision loss in the majority of individuals. In fact, it stopped progressive vision loss in about 90% of individuals treated and actually led to some improvement in vision, that is regaining some of the previous vision loss in about one-third of patients treated. It's hard to overstate what a milestone this treatment is in the treatment of wet macular degeneration. Never before has there been a treatment that had a fairly reliable potential to actually stop vision loss in its tracks in a majority of people or actually cause some improvement in vision in a significant percentage of people being treated. So it represents a major advance in the treatment of wet macular degeneration.
0: What is the dosage for Lucentis?
1: Well, there are two doses were studied in the clinical trials, 0.3 milligrams and 0.5. And what's being used in most cases today are 0.5 milligrams, which is injected into the eye in a volume of 0.05 cc's of liquid.
0: Now, as I understand it, Lucentis is an offshoot of an older drug called Avastin, which is used for colon cancer, also in the anti-VEGF mode.
1: Yes, that's correct, and it's a very interesting story. Avastin is a drug, again, an antibody drug that was developed by Genentech for treatment of cancers, and it's approved by the FDA for treatment of metastatic colon cancer. Again, Avastin is a non-selective VEGF inhibitor and brings us full circle back to Judah Folkman's work in the early 1970s in which he hypothesized there was some substance that helped to stimulate the growth of blood vessels in tumors, thus facilitating tumor growth. And Avastin is a direct descendant of that hypothesis and proves the hypothesis that a drug can inhibit tumor growth. Now, Avastin is a large molecule. Avastin is a full antibody molecule. And there were theoretical considerations when scientists and genetic in particular were looking at trying to identify therapies for the eye, it was felt that Avastin was too large of a molecule to work in the eye, that it would not transport across the retina into the subretinal space where this pathological neovascularization in wet macular degeneration occurs. So as a result of that, Avastin was never formally studied in the eye. What Genentech did was develop an entirely new molecule that's actually simply a fragment of the parent molecule of Avastin that was a much smaller molecular size, humanized to decrease the potential for inflammatory responses, which were felt to be significant risks to Avastin, potentially in the eye, and then studied specifically in the eye.
0: But Avastin is used in the eye.
1: Yes, it certainly is. And again, the story is very interesting. In mid-2005, some of the interim results from the clinical trials of Lucentis were reported at the American Society of Retina Specialists meeting in Montreal. And these results were the first disclosure of information that Lucentis could actually stop vision loss in the majority of people and lead to an improvement in vision in about one-third of individuals and it generated tremendous excitement in the vitriol retinal community. Now, the problem was at that point, it was going to be at least a year before the uh, licentis could go through the remainder of the clinical trials and go through the approval process and be approved. So some very innovative individuals actually began to use Avastin in some patients with wet macular degeneration and, in fact, used it initially intravenously, which is the route of administration for cancer, but it was used intravenously in people with wet macular degeneration and a very positive therapeutic response was seen in that case they then decided they looked at the formulation of Avastin looked at the molar concentration of Avastin in the commercially available preparation and realized that one could get a molar equivalent of Lucentis essentially by using the same volume of Avastin directly from the commercially prepared substance so they Obtaining the Institutional Review Board approval, they actually injected Avastin into a small number of human eyes with wet macular degeneration and saw a remarkably positive effect. So, when the initial data regarding Lucentis was disclosed, and retina specialists around the U.S. and around the world, in fact, realized that here was a remarkable medication, but it was going to be another year before it might be available, more and more individuals actually began to use Avastin in the eye. And so, this clinical experience with Avastin exploded very rapidly across the U.S. and, in fact, around the world. And although all the reports currently are anecdotal, there are no randomized clinical trials as yet regarding Avastin, many individuals who are using using this treatment today feel that it is just about as effective as Lucentis for treatment of wet macular degeneration. Now, as a result of that, Avastin was very widely used prior to FDA approval of Lucentis. Once Lucentis was approved by the FDA in mid-2006, some people crossed over and began using Lucentis, but a significant number of people of retina physicians around the world continue to use Avastin to treat people with wet macular degeneration.
0: David, it's very interesting. Unfortunately, we're running out of time. I'm Dr. Roy Levitt, and I want to thank Dr. David Williams for speaking with us about pharmacologic treatment of wet macular degeneration. I'd like to thank you for listening to The Revealing Retina, presented by the American Retina Foundation. For more information, visit us online at americanretina.org. We welcome your questions and comments about this or any other show. Please send your email to xm at reachmd.com, or visit us at www.reachmd.com. Our new on-demand and our new podcast features will allow you access to our entire program library. Again, thanks for listening.